So today we're going to slaughter a big fat cow. So we've been slaughtering some of them in the last couple of weeks with our Truth About the End Time series. So we're continuing today and uh, I want to pick it up in Revelation chapter 13. Now the first half of Revelation chapter 13 we talked about and it is a beast which resembled... Uh, you know, those, the beast spoken of in, uh, in, Revela- in Daniel chapter uh, 7. A beast coming up out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, and we spoke about that. But now we go on in verse 11. Okay? So that beast was those, you know, those four nations. So... Uh, Daniel chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 13 verse 11. Then I saw another beast rising up out of the land itself. He had two horns like a lamb. And he spoke and roared like a dragon. Okay, so that word roared is not in the original. He spoke like a dragon. So in other words, what this beast was saying was same as what the dragon was saying. All right? So he was energized by the dragon that was also spoken of in Revelation. Okay, so that dragon is Satan. So he spoke like a dragon. He exerts all the power and right of control of the former beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell upon it to exalt and deify the first beast whose deadly wound was healed and to worship him. So the first beast had a deadly wound, but it, it healed. Okay, so now let me just read this passage and I can tell you what I see in there. Okay, verse 13. He performs great signs and even making fire fall from the sky to the earth in men's sight. And because of the signs and miracles which he is allowed to perform in the presence of the first beast, he deceives those who inhabit the earth, com- commanding them to erect a, uh, an image or a statue or an image in the likeness of the beast who was wounded by the small sword and still lived. And he is permitted also to impart the breath of life into the beast's image, so that the statue of the beast or the image of the beast could actually talk and cause to be put to death those who would not bow down and worship the image of the beast. Also, he compels all alike, both small and great, both the rich and the poor, both free and slave, to be marked with an inscription on their right hands, okay, or sealed, or on their foreheads, so that no one will have power to buy or sell unless he hears, uh, he bears the stamp, the mark inscription, that is the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now it says here, verse 18, Here is room for discernment. Not discernment, I discern that you're in sin. That's not the discernment that he's talking about. Not, ooh, everything that you're doing by the Holy Ghost. Oh, no, no, no. That's not, that's not a ministry of discernment. That's a ministry of gossip. Here is room for discernment. A call for wisdom of interpretation. Let anyone who has intelligence, penetration, and insight enough to calculate the number of the beast. Uh, For it is a human number, the the number of a certain man. His number is 666. 
666. What have you heard of 666? 600, 3 score, and 6. Right, says the King James Version. Okay, so let's just look at a few things here. Verse 11 says, I behold another beast coming up, spake like a dragon, exercises power over the first beast before him. So what's the first beast? We, we're looking at the beast that was uh, Babylon that, and, and Greece and uh, Medo-Persia, first Medo-Persia, then Greece, then the Roman Empire. That's the first beast. So it was four beasts in Daniel, and it, be, and it was uh, combined into one beast in Revelation chapter 13, 13. That's the first beast. So it's, it's a spiritual thing. It's, it's the, that image has evolved into this thing. So it's one spirit that has uh, manifested itself in these four kingdoms. Now it says here... Uh, he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by means of the miracles. And he says, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast. That's the word statue is not there. The word is image or the word icon. The word in the Greek is icon. Okay? Which had the wound by a sword and did lift. So that first image of the first beast is those four nations. Okay? And he had the power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. So that means there's this image, there's this idolatrous image. And they were forced to worship in a certain way, otherwise they would be killed. All right. And he caused all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads. The mark on your right hand is what you do. Mark on the forehead is what you think. Okay, so the inscription is called a seal, like a signet ring. Okay, so we are sealed. If you just jump over to Revelation 14, verse 1, Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb and, uh, stood on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000 men who had his name and his father's name inscribed on their foreheads. So what, what is that? It's a different kind of thinking. Okay? So that's the mind of Christ. Yes. Okay, remember in John chapter 6, he said, here's Jesus, and he said, stop toiling for the food that perishes in the using. 27, John 6. But strive rather for the food that lasts unto life eternal. It's again the temporary and the, and the eternal. Okay? The one is a bread that passes in you using, and the other one is a bread that lasts until life eternal. Okay. The one is a temporary word, and the other one is an eternal word. It says, But strive rather for the food that lasts until life eternal, and the Son of Man will give you that food or that bread. For the Father has sealed him. So what is the seal, the inscription? Son. This is my son, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He was sealed by the Father. So what has he been sealed with? With the Holy Spirit. Okay. So there's not one scripture in this Bible that tells you that you are sealed with baptism, as most doctrine books would say. 
But the Bible says over and over that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. So what is the inscription, the seal? It's the thoughts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The natural man does not admit into his heart the gifts, teachings, revelations of the Spirit of God because it is meaningless nonsense to him. But the spiritual man knows all things, tries all things. He's put on trial by no man. For who has uh, known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him and give him knowledge? But we have the mind of Christ. We do hold the thoughts and purposes of his heart. So if we have the mind of Christ, we have the inscription. So the inscription or the seal has nothing to do with something, some barcode or some chip that someone's going to place into your hand. Or, that is science fiction. It's a good idea, though. I've got a chip in my dog, okay? So then they can scan the dog and tell me where it is when it runs away. Okay. Actually, I don't. We, that dog dies. <laughs> My current dogs don't have the chip, but it's a good idea. So this, this, this seal isn't a COVID passport. The seal isn't a credit card. It's not. It's not a barcode either. All of those are good ideas that makes things easier. Okay, so it's not talking about that. It's talking about what are you thinking? And what does your thinking cause you to say? And what does your thinking cause you to do? Because ultimately, only you can decide what you think. Only you can decide what you think. You, you surrender to one thing. Every time you think it, you strengthen that thought. You strengthen that path of thought. Every time you think and act, your brain changes. So you can start changing your brain in the direction of the word, or you can change your brain in the direction that your flesh will, will want to take you. It's under your control. No one else's control. Okay? If you meditate on the word day and night, you shall make your way prosperous, like God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. All right, so he says, There's another beast, spake like a dragon. All right. In the likeness of the beast. Okay. The image that they had to make in the likeness of the beast. Remember, in Daniel chapter 5, now after the dream of the different, you know, the gold and the uh, silver and the bronze and the iron, the, the image. After that dream, King Nebuchadnezzar made himself a statue of gold. Okay? Only gold. He wanted, he wanted to be the whole thing. And that's the spirit of Babylon. It's like, I'm the best, I'm the greatest. Okay? Where was it? Daniel 6, when he, when he uh, became like a wild beast with the, tree, the vision of the tree that was chopped down. So the, the warning came to him, you're going to be chopped down and you're going to be like a beast in the field if you don't repent. 
And as the words were spoken to him, he said, is it not me that built this great city Babylon? And it just fell on him, boom, and he became like a beast. Okay? Like the dew was on him all the time. His hair became like feathers. You know, he ran around freaking out in the pastures. Okay. So, so as they, it's the same spirit. As they, as King Nebuchadnezzar made that image and he forced people with death penalty to worship the image. That same spirit manifested in Israel. Okay. So this is where I'm going to start stepping on some toes. The image of the second beast is the temple of Solomon. Okay. Why was the first temple broken down and the people taken into Babylonian captivity? Can anyone guess? Because of idolatry. They started worshipping other gods. So what did they learn in Babylonia? They learned some new gods to worship. And they learned some new ways from the Babylonians that they took back and they incorporated it into God's system. So instead of learning what they, would need, they needed to learn, they refused to repent from their demonic practices, and they did it even more afterwards. Okay. So they rebuilt the temple, and Herod funded it. Herod gave the gold. Well, there's some money that came from Babylonia as well. Okay. So, but the image of that temple is the greatest idol of all time. Even today, if you touch on the temple, people go. Jesus said, break it down. And in three days, I will rebuild it. But he was speaking of his body. All right? So, if they didn't worship in the temple in the way that they wanted them to worship, they would be called blasphemers because they blasphemed against the temple okay and they would be put to death mark chapter 14 so everything that we've touched on where they wanted to make a future thing and bring you know Seven years of tribulation on the earth, all these doctrines, have, has been about what? 70 AD and the burning down of, the, the, of Jerusalem and the burning down of the temple. All of it. Which means this must be about it too. Okay, so we're going to slaughter a big cow. Okay, so Mark chapter 14 says, verse 57, Some stood up. This is now speaking of Jesus. This is Jesus' fair trial <laughs> that he didn't get. Okay. And some stood up and were bearing false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple which is made with hands, and in three days I will build another one without hands. Still not even in this their testimony agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, Have you not even one answer to make about uh, this which these men are testifying against you? But he kept still and did not answer at all. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? 
Jesus said, I am. And you will all see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his garments and said, What need we for more witnesses? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And they all condemned him as being guilty and deserving of death. Okay. Acts chapter 7. So they accused, the first thing they did was they accused Jesus of blaspheming against the temple. And when he didn't say anything, they asked him, are you he? He said, I am he. And you will see the Son of Man at the right hand of the Father coming on the clouds. Referring to 70 AD. Okay, so Acts chapter 7. So he says, this is now the stoning of Stephen. Let's pick it up in verse 45. Our forefathers brought the tent of witness in with them into the land with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations which God drove out before the face of our forefathers until the time of David, who found grace in the sight of God and prayed that he might be allowed uh, to find a dwelling place for God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Okay, so Solomon built it with David's gold. However, the Most High does not dwell in houses and temples made with hands, as the prophet says. Isaiah 66. Okay. Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool for my feet. What kind of house can you build for me, says the Lord? What is the place in which I can rest? Was it not my hand that made all these things? Now, Stephen is bold against the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the scribes. He says, you stubborn Stiff, naked people, still heathen and uncircumcised in hearts and ears. You are always actively resisting the Holy Spirit. As your forefathers were, so are you, uh, and so you do. Okay, so that's the mark of the beast. What they thought and what they did. Which of the prophets did your forefathers not persecute? And they slew those who proclaimed beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you now have betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as it was ordained and set in order and delivered by angels, and yet you did not obey it. Now, upon hearing these things, the Jews were cut to the heart and infuriated, and they ground their teeth against Stephen. But he, full of and controlled by him, gazed into heaven, saw the glory and splendor and majesty of God. He said, Look, the heavens are opened, and the Son of Man standing at God's right hand. So he already saw the vision. It's again the same warning. Okay? But they raised a great shout and put their hands over their ears and rushed upon him. So there's a, a loud voice or a wailing. They, they uh, rushed together upon him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses placed their garment at the feet of a young man named Saul. All right. All right. So he said, God does not dwell in temples made with hands. All right. Listen to this. Acts chapter 6. They brought false witness who asserted this man never stops making statements against this sacred place and the law of Moses. Okay? 
For we have heard him say that this Jesus the Nazarene will tear down and destroy this place and will alter the institutions and usages which Moses transmitted to us. Then all who sat in the council, the Sanhedrin, as they gazed intently at Stephen, saw that his face had the appearance of the face of an angel. So you have Jesus. They brought false witness because he was speaking against the temple. And there's Stephen. They brought false witness against him because speaking against the temple. So, there's the image. By death penalty, they were more focused on what people said about the building and about the way they worshipped in the building. That was the idol. That's the idol worship. They didn't worship God in the temple. They worshipped the temple. So, the temple was broken down because of idol worship and they went to Babylonian captivity. And they came back only to build synagogues which is a mini representation of the temple in every town. God never instituted the synagogues. God never instituted the, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the scribes. All stuff that they learned in Babylon. And that demonic system of the Babylon infiltrated God's people and God's system and worship in the temple. All right? Right, back to Revelation chapter 13. An image is permitted to impart the breath of life into the beast's image so that the statue of the beast could actually talk to be put to death those who would not bow down and worship the image of the beast. Okay, so this image became so alive in all the people that ministered there. And they, had, they spoke like the dragon. And they forced people to worship the temple at the penalty of death. Verse 16. Also he compels all alike, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be marked with an inscription on their right hands on their foreheads. Thinking, doing. So that no one will have power to buy and sell unless he bears the stamp that is the name of the beast, the number of his name. Okay, so what does buying and selling have to do with the temple? John chapter 2. This is spiritual vision, so it will be full of symbolism. There's not going to come an antichrist that will not cause you to be able to buy groceries if you don't have a tattoo on your head. It's not going to happen. And people have been fearing this since the 60s with a credit card, and it's not, it wasn't that. Okay? Okay, so John chapter 2, verse 14. Verse 13 says, Now the Passover of the Jews was approaching, so Jesus went up to Jerusalem. There he found in the temple those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers sitting there also at their stands. And having made a lash, a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple, both the sheep and the oxen, spilling and scattering the broker's money and upsetting and tossing around their trays, their hands. Then those who sold the doves, he said, Take these things away out of here. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise, a marketplace, a sales shop. And then the disciples remembered that it is written in the Holy Scriptures, Zeal, the fervor of love for your house will eat me up. I will be consumed with jealousy for the honor of your house. Psalm 69. Right? So they made the temple... A marketplace. 
instead of a place of worship. Okay. All right? Just keep that there. Revelation chapter 3. And then we're going to slaughter the big one. Okay, just listen to this. Revelation chapter 3. To the angel... No, wait. Am I at the right place? Yeah. Uh, verse 14. The, the message to Laodicea. Laodicea was a church. Laodicea is not a spiritual idea of the modern day church. Laodicea was a place and this was a letter to them. Okay? We are not the church of Laodicea. As we are not the church of Ephesus, but we can learn from it. But certain things that Paul wrote to the Corinthians were for them. Certain things that Paul wrote, wrote to the Colossians were for them. Certain, uh, certain things were not the same that he wrote to the Corinthians as he wrote to the Colossians or to Ephesians. Okay? So we need to see the context. But Laodicea, this is a letter that Jesus asked John the Apostle to write to the church of Laodicea. Okay. Verse 14. To the angel of the assembly of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the trusty and faithful, the true witness, the origin, the beginning, and author of God's creation. I know your record of works and what you are doing. So thinking, doing, thinking, doing. Okay. You are neither hot or cold. Would that you were hot or cold. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. So that means our thoughts need to be on the word. Okay? Can't, we can't have a mixture. Verse 17. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and grown wealthy. I am in need of nothing. And you do not realize and understand that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore, I counsel you to purchase for me gold refined and tested by fire. That you may be truly wealthy and white clothes to clothe you and to keep the shame of your nudity from being seen and self to put you on eyes that you may see. Okay, so God uses an economic image to describe worship. Okay, buying and selling. How do you buy? Well, Isaiah 55 says, come buy wine and milk without price. For the self-surrender. God doesn't want you to buy anything. He doesn't want you to pay for anything. He paid for you. Yeah. So it's an act of worship to receive. Yeah. So buy from me gold refined and tested by the fire. Like I said before in the offering, James said, your faith is like gold tested and tried in the fire. So he says, you need to surrender and receive faith. That's what he's saying. But he's using the metaphor for, an, for economic activity as a means of worship. So why would he do that? In Revelation. Maybe, just maybe, it has to do with something in the temple where they turned the house of worship into a house of lucre, a house of buying and selling. So Jesus went in there, he meditated the whole night, and he made a whip. It was not a flurry of rage. Okay? And on the way, he cursed the fig tree. <laughs> the thing dried up. <laughs> Imagine his mood. <laughs> it's like, hey, the master. <laughs> okay, so there he goes into the. And he spoke to the money changers. He said, don't make this. He didn't scream at them. 
He spoke to the money changers. But he drove everyone out of the temple. Cleansed and cured the temple. He drove everyone out. There were sheep. There were cattle in the temple. There were birds in the temple. So just to make it more convenient, they can make money out of it and everything. So people don't bring a sacrifice. They just buy something there. You know? He said, you make this my father's house a robber's den. Right. So they could not participate of the economy of the temple worship without bowing to the image of the temple. The temple, I put it to you, is the greatest idol of all time, the greatest idol worship of all time. Even in the rebuilding of the temple, they never heeded the punishment of 70 years in Babylonian captivity. They never repented. And I'll prove it to you right now that God said he will destroy the temple because of disobedience. And he said it to Solomon. All right, so why is Solomon so important? Well, Solomon was the richest of them all. And Solomon built the temple. But what's the big thing that Solomon was known for, apart from the gold? What's the big thing that he was known for? Wisdom. Okay, so we're going to read a few scriptures. So I believe Isaiah 40, 34 says, you know, you, the scripture needs to find its mate. So we like to compare scripture with scripture with scripture with scripture. So I don't look for Russia and the false prophet and the antichrist in the newspapers and then try to connect it to the Bible. I just read and I listen to someone who has read and I learn. And if the connection is there, I believe it because the scripture will explain the scripture. Okay. So, and we got some awesome teaching by Prophet Kubis von Rensberg who read the Bible and who compared scripture with scripture. Okay. All right. But Revelation 13. Here is room for discernment. A call for wisdom of interpretation. Let anyone who has intelligence, penetration, and insight enough calculate the number of the beast. Who heard that other clip? If you don't know what I'm referring to, don't worry. I might be banned on Facebook if I say it. Okay. For it is a, a human number. <laughs> okay. The number of a certain man. Okay. What is needed for the interpretation? Wisdom. Okay. Here is wisdom. King James. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. So it's not only six six six, it's six hundred and sixty six. Three a score is twenty, so three score is sixty, so six hundred three score and six. Is 666. It's a very specific number. Okay, so you get, you get the, um, the number 666 in two places, or with reference to two different people. But I'm going to focus on the one. 
Okay, so I'm going to go to First Kings. We're going to start reading in chapter nine. Okay, First Kings, chapter nine. As the econo be stiller, more I believe. Thank you. All right. Now listen, this is God appearing a second time to Solomon. We all know about the first time that he asked for wisdom and God said, okay, I'm going to give you riches as well. But just the second time that God appeared to, to Solomon. So 1 Kings chapter 9, when Solomon finished the building of the Lord's house and the king's house and all, uh, all he desired was pleased and all he desired and was pleased to do. The Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared to him at Gibeon. So now God is, is, you know, is qualifying his blessing on this building. The building is now done. It's now finished. Okay. He says, The Lord told him, verse 3, I have heard your prayer and supplication which you have made before me. I have hallowed this house which you have built, and I have put my name, my presence there forever. My eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. And if you walk before me as David your father walked, in integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I commanded you, keeping my statutes and my precepts, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, They shall not fail you to have a man upon there shall not fail you to have a man upon the throne of Israel. But if you turn away from following me, you and your children will not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them. Then I will cut off Israel from the land I have given them, and this house I have hallowed for my name will be cast from my sight, and Israel shall be a prophet and a byword among the peoples. This house shall become a heap of ruins. Every passerby shall be astonished and shall hiss with surprise and say, Why has the Lord done thus? to this land and to this house. Then they will answer, because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have laid hold of other gods, and have worshipped and served them. Therefore the Lord has brought them on them this evil. So he said, if you're going to serve me like David served me, he was a man after my own heart, not after other gods, not after idols, not after riches, not after women. He was a man after my heart. If you walk before me like David, your father did, my name will be in this place forever. But the moment you turn away, I'm going to destroy this house. There it is. God said, so it's, it's about their decision. So it was eternal peace was within their reach, like Jesus said, Matthew 23 and 24. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Eternal peace was within your reach. However, Long to gather you like a hen gathered its chickens. But you would not. You refused. Okay, so, 1 Kings chapter 10. Shall we do this first? Yeah. Okay, verse 4 says, When the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and skill, so there's the wisdom, the house he had built. 
So it's in connection with the house that he had built, which is the idol. The food of his table, the seating of his officials, the standing of attention of his servants, the apparel, the cupbearers, the ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, the burnt offerings and sacrifices. She was breathless and overcome. She said to the king, I was a, it was a true report I heard in my own land of your acts and sayings and wisdom. I did not believe it until I came and my eyes had seen. Behold, a half was not told me. You have added wisdom and goodness exceeding the fame. You're, you have added wisdom and goodness exceeding the fame I heard. Happy are your men. Happy are these your servants who stand continually before you hearing your wisdom. Okay. But 1 Corinthians 1 says, when the world did not recognize God by their wisdom, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So you can have all the wisdom, even wisdom that God gives. But if it doesn't help you to, to recognize God, then what's it for? Okay? All right. And she gave verse 10, 120 talents of gold. Okay. Verse 13, King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all that she wanted, whatever she asked. Okay, she also gave him great gifts, okay? Besides his gifts to her from his royal bounty. So she returned to her own country, she and her servants. Now verse 14. Now the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one particular year was 666 talents of gold. I didn't even write anything on the Let's write something on the board. Solomon's salary, 666 talents of gold. Now in today's money, it's like something like $948 billion a year. <laughs> All right, that's a lot of money. Besides what the traders bought and the traffic of the merchants and all the tributary kings and governors of the land of Arabia, King Solomon made 200 large shields of beaten gold. 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. And he made 300 shields of beaten gold. Three uh, miners of gold went to each shield. The king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Also, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with the finest gold. The throne had six steps attached to the rear of the top of the throne uh, with a round covering and a, and, a, and a canopy. On either side of the seat were armrests and two lions stood beside the armrests. Twelve lions stood there, one on either end of each of the six steps. There was nothing like it ever made in any kingdom. Okay, so you get the throne. Okay, so that's a throne. There's armrests. Okay, that's a throne. There were six steps. Six steps. On this side. No, no, we're going to leave the again. Okay. There was a lion. <laughs> there was a lion. <laughs> lion. 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 
lion, 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 and lion. Six lions, six steps, six lions. All right. So, do you think it's by accident? Or do you think God is trying to tell us something? Because it's got everything to do with the temple. Okay. Right, so the lions and his salary was 603 score and 6 talents of gold. Not 667, not 665. Not anything else but 666. Yeah. Every year. Okay. All the king's drinking vessels were of gold. All the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None were silver. It was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. For the king had a fleet of ships of Tarshish at sea with the fleet of Hiram. Uh, once every three years, the fleet of ships of Tarshish came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and peacocks. Whatever they wanted to do with the apes. Okay. So King Solomon exceeded all the kings of the earth in riches and in wisdom. Riches and in wisdom. So it's economy and wisdom, skill. All right? Buying and selling and wisdom. And all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom which God had put in his mind. Every man brought tribute vessels of silver and gold, garments, equipped spices, horses, mules, so much year by year. Solomon collected chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horsemen, which he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king of Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones and cedars as plentiful as sycamore trees in the lowlands. Solomon's horses were brought out of Egypt. Okay. So he had horses from Egypt. Solomon collected... Solomon's horses were brought out of Egypt. And the king's merchants received them in droves. Each at a price. A chariot could be brought out of Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. And so all the kings of the Hittites and Syria, they were exported by the king's merchants. But King Solomon defiantly loved many foreign women. The daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were of the very nations of whom the Lord said to the Israelites, You shall not mingle with them. Neither shall they mingle with you, for surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Yet Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives. I don't know how wise that is. Princesses and 300 concubines. is as if 700 wives are enough are not enough. Okay. And his wives turned away his heart from God. Okay, then he had, a lot of, he had a lot of gold that he gathered to himself. And he had wives. Foreign wives. And it was 700 wives and 300 concubines. 
Let's just quickly go to Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy chapter 17. Verse 14 says, When you come to the land which the Lord your God gives you, and you possess it and live there, and then say, We will set a king over us like all nations that are about us, you shall surely set as king over you him whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brethren you shall set as king over you. You may not set a foreigner who is not your brother over you. But he shall not multiply. But he shall not multiply horses to himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to multiply horses. Since the Lord said to you, you shall never return that way. Okay, so he got horses from Egypt. He shall not multiply wives to himself, that his mind and heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Check. Check. Everything God said a king shouldn't be, he was. So his heart turned away from God. So what happened was, because he exploited his own people, and because he was defiant and disobedient, worshipping other gods, even practicing witchcraft underneath the temple in the levels below the temple. God sent them out to Babylonian captivity and broke down the temple. And in Babylonian captivity, Daniel started getting these visions and he started interpreting the dream for Nebuchadnezzar, especially the one of the 70 weeks of years. He was reading Jeremiah 29, where when Gabriel appeared to him and he was reading about the 70 years that was ordained for captivity in which they now were. And, uh, and that was about 100 years or so before, before then. Okay? So here comes Gabriel and st he's starting to speak in the same pattern 70 years. Weeks of years, 490 years, that leads up to the cross and Stephen being stoned. Two witnesses, two people bearing that they bore false witness against speaking against the temple. So from the cross, a generation and the temple and everything of the old was destroyed and the kingdom could fully come and they could fully receive the new be fully established all right so because of disobedience because of defiance against God God said listen if you're gonna turn away to other gods if you're gonna be worshiping false idols I'm gonna destroy this place okay so he said in first Kings chapter 9 how is this not about the temple so, the first, the first beast in Revelation chapter 13 started with the image of 
Babylonia. Okay? So that's the, the progression. Babylonia, Media, Persia, Greece, and the Romans. And it was all combined into one beast. Okay? What was the symbol of Babylonia? How was the image not made in the likeness of the first beast that had a first beast that had a wound against his head? How is it not the same? How was it not made in the same image? How was it not the same spirit? Look at me, I'm the greatest. How is it not the same thing? How was the idol worship in Babylonia not exactly the same thing as the worship of the temple itself in Jerusalem? How is it not the same thing? God simply fulfilled his, uh, his own, what's the word, condition that he said to Solomon. He said, listen, if you're going to turn away from me, I'm going to destroy this temple. And Jesus came and said, break down this thing. You've made it a house of, of robbers. And in three days I will build up speaking of his body. So the 666 is the author of the temple made with hands with all the gold. That's the image. One who turned away from God, going after horses of Egypt, going after gold and silver for himself, and collecting a thousand wives <laughs> for himself. That turned his heart away from God. Okay. Back to 1 Kings chapter 10. Verse 11 verse 5. Started verse 4. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. And was the heart, uh, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abominable idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as David his father did. Then Solomon built a high place for Shemosh, the abominable idol of Moab, the hill opposite Jerusalem, for Molech, Molech whatever, the abominable idol of the Ammonites. And he did so for all of his foreign wives who burnt incense and sacrificed to their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord and God of Israel who had appeared to him twice and uh, had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not do what the Lord commanded. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Because you are doing this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes which I have commanded you, I will surely rend the kingdom from you. So the kingdom was taken away from him and from, his, from this people because of idol worship, worshiping the actual temple. And will give it to your servant. However, in your days I will not do it. For David, your father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of your son. 666 is Solomon, and it refers directly to the temple. The greatest idol worship ever on the face of this earth is the temple of Solomon. So again, like 
the three blind mice, what's their names? Schofield, Darby, and the other one, Sid. In the Schofield Bible, early 1900s. They say there's going to be animal sacrifices in a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. How is that, how is that not worshipping the same thing? How is that not going after the idol? How is that not re trying to raise again what God has broken down? Paul said, I think it's in 2 Corinthians. If someone can check me up on this, I can't remember the scripture. But Paul said, or is it Galatians? Maybe Galatians. Paul said, if I build up what I have torn down, I prove myself a transgressor. If I now come bringing you back to the law of Moses when I specifically broke down the old to bring you the new in my preaching and in my teaching, if I now go back and say it's fine to go to the Judaizers and that's the one thing that kept them trying to come back into the church is people trying to go back to the Jewish ways. Yeah. Circumcision, Galatians. Trying to get them back to, now they want to build a temple. They're never going to... You can take this as a word from the Lord. You can write it down with a date. Yeah. The temple in Jerusalem will never be rebuilt. It's never, ever ever going to happen in Jesus name it's never going to happen you are the temple so if you make that the focus you're an idolater if you preach that the temple needs to be rebuilt for you to offer animal sacrifices how is this not trampling the blood of Jesus it's blasphemy against the cross okay so may this once for all be settled in your heart that God is not rebuilding a temple and neither is God going to bring some situation over you where some false prophet or antichrist or dictator comes and makes that you can't buy or sell and it's, it's not Bible prophecy, it's trash. Yeah. Re Revelation speaks of, I mean, how stupid can you get? Like, I, I love, I love uh, Andrew Womack, how stupid can you get and still breathe? <laughs> how simple is this explanation? All of these things in Revelation speaks of the destruction of, of Jerusalem. All of these end-time doctrines is a twisting of Scripture, trying to make it a futuristic thing. It's not a futuristic thing. It's fulfilled. There is one thing still need to, that still needs to be fulfilled. As sure as I live, and the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. God's agenda is glory. There's going to be glory. There's going to be revival, and there's going to be glory. The glory will fill the earth. Because the latter temple will have greater glory than the former temple. And you are the temple. 
Yes, it's going to be in riches also. But you know what? The real glory is His Shekinah presence. That's the true riches. And if, if God can entrust you with, with the physical stuff, how much more can He entrust the true riches to you? Okay. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one, love the other, be disloyal to the one, love the other. So how is the worship in the temple not serving mammon? How is it not serving mammon? Serving the gold, the glistening temples of Jerusalem. Now, if you, if you, so now, if you now give $43.5, then you can get, you know, of, it's usually more, $430, then you can get this little copy of the temple that we can send for you, you know. Or if you now, your sins will, and your grandma's sins will be forgiven if you sow to the rebuilding of the temple now. We're going we're gonna to plant trees to beautify Israel for the coming of the Lord. Send money now. I don't see any trees, but there's new jets. The holy city is full of holes. Listen, God said I'm done with physical stuff. So either you're in or you're out. So there's, there's a word, there's a temple called the Spirit. And the door of that Spirit is wide open. Revelation 5, I saw a door in heaven standing open. I heard a voice saying, come up higher. God is inviting us to come into the true holy of holies. The way is open. He's opened up a fresh new living way. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 and 20. Through the power of the blood, through the separating curtain, there is through his flesh. Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 8, I am the door. And the door is open. His flesh body is crucified. You can come into the true holy of holies. Right now you can stand in the secret place. So wherever the church is, there is the temple. Where's the Holy of Holies? Wherever you are. You are a walking, talking Ark of the Covenant. So let's just slaughter another cow while we're at it. Just go to Jeremiah chapter 3. I needed to put this in somewhere in the series, so let's just put it in now. <laughs> Make it a bit more dramatic. <laughs> Pause for effect. But yeah? Jeremiah had a bullfrog. Was a good friend of mine. Okay. Prophet Gubbers always sang it when he read out of Jeremiah. <laughs> Sometimes 70s rock just creeps into the church. Okay. Okay. You have a big. Okay. Mm. Okay, Jeremiah chapter 3. That is to say, if a man puts away his wife and she goes from him and becomes another man's, will he return to her again? Of course not. Uh, would not that land where such a thing happened be greatly polluted? But you have played the harlot. Oh my goodness, who might that be? Against me. With many lovers, yet you would now return to me, says the Lord, or do you even think 
to return to me. So we know that the harlot is Jerusalem. Okay, because, I mean, Ezekiel, man, if you ever, what's it, Ezekiel 15 or 16, where it clearly just, just describes it in very graphic detail. It's, it's not PG, it's, yeah. Okay, so, listen. That whole system is Jerusalem playing the harlot. Lift up your eyes to the bare heights and see. Where have you not been idolatrously lain with? By the wayside you have uh, sat waiting for lovers eager for idolatry. Like you have sat waiting for lovers, uh, like an Arabian desert tribesman who waits to plunder in the wilderness, you have polluted the land and your vile harlotry and the wickedness, unfaithfulness and disobedience to God. Therefore the showers have been withheld. There has been no spring rain, yet you have the brow of a prostitute. You refuse to be ashamed. Have you not just now cried to me, my father, you were the guide and companion of my youth? Will he retain his anger forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, you have so spoken, but you have done all the evil things you could and have had your way and have carried them through. Moreover, the Lord said to me, Jeremiah, in the days of Josiah, the king of Judah, have you seen what the faithless and backsliding Israel has done? How she went up on every hill and under every green tree and played the harlot. Okay. So, there's so many scriptures that talks about it. I just, got, I just don't see how people can't see that Jerusalem is the harlot in Revelation 17. Ah, there we go. Verse 15. I will give you spiritual shepherds after my own heart in the final time. Who will feed you with knowledge and understanding and judgment. And it shall be that when you have multiplied and increased in the land in those days, says the Lord... They shall no more say, the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It shall not come to mind, nor shall they seriously remember it, nor shall they miss or visit it, nor shall it be repaired or made again. For instead of the ark which represented God's presence, he will show himself to be present throughout the city. So can you see why I went on and on and on about the city? The city is the dwelling place of God. You are the city. You are a walking, talking, holy of holies. His glory dwells inside you, the temple. On, on, on your deepest part, there is the presence of God. You become the ark. God has no joy in living in a box. He's not a genie. They wanted him to be like a genie, you know, just polish the lamp and make three wishes. And then, you know, they just put him, put him in a cupboard again. And that's, that's quite a lot how people misuse the anointing as well. The gospel is not for us to just get houses and cars and then go on with our lives. 
The gospel is something that transforms you from the inside out. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you speak. It changes everything, your concept of who you are. You lose your whole life, but you gain so much more. Yes, come with a list. Come with a prayer request, but listen. You have to surrender everything. You have to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You have to, to take what the gospel really says. It's not only about getting the answer to the prayer. Okay, God will show himself to be present in the city. At that time, they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered to it in the renown and the name of the Lord to Jerusalem. Nor shall they walk anymore after the stubbornness of their own evil hearts. So he's talking about the heavenly Jerusalem, as mentioned in Galatians chapter 4, and in Revelation, the city, the Revelation 21, the city descending from on high. It's a spiritual mountain. It's a spiritual city. It's a spiritual temple. It's a spiritual covenant. Spiritual worship. Those who worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. All right. Amen. 666. Sorry, I just want to say this. 666 is not Satan's number. It's a man's number. It's the way man thinks. It's the corrupted nature of man without the Holy Ghost. It's selfishness and self-exaltation. Solomon in his wisdom. Okay. I would just want to throw in one, one last thing. Can I do that? One last thing. Go to James chapter 3. Are you still okay? Yeah. Verse 17. But the wisdom from above... No, wait. Let's go a little bit earlier. Verse 11. Does a fountain send forth simultaneously from the same opening fresh water and bitter water? Okay, he's speaking about you speaking, cursing and blessing. Speaking as the dragon speaks. Verse 12. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Or a grapevine fix, neither can a salt spring furnish fresh water. Who is there among you who is wise and intelligent? Then let him by his noble living show forth his good works with the unobtrusive humility which is the proper attribute of true wisdom. So that's a good place to start is humility because that was what, what was lacking in Babylonia and that was what was lacking with Solomon. So the true proper attribute of God's wisdom is humility. But if you have bitter jealousy, envy, contention, rivalry, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not pride yourselves on it and thus be in defiance of and false to the truth. This superficial wisdom is not such as come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, animal, even devilish and demonical. So it's not the content of the wisdom. It's where does it come from? Is it fired by a fire from heaven or a fire from hell? If you read the rest of the chapter. Okay, so you can have the most amazing wisdom, 
But if it's selfish, if it's full of uh, pride, if it's full of uh, bitter jealousy, contention, rivalry, selfish ambition, see, if that goes together with the wisdom, it's from beneath. So you can have the same information. But now it says, for wherever there is jealousy, envy, contentional rivalry, there will also be confusion, unrest, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. So there were evil and vile practices in, even in the temple in Solomon's day. Verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure, undefiled. Same information. It's just, is it, what's the purpose of it? Is the purpose self-exaltation self, um, or is the pur purpose to serve people? The wisdom from above is first of all pure. Then it is peace-loving, courteous, considerate, gentle. It is willing to yield to reason, full of compassion, good fruits, it is wholehearted, straightforward, impartial, unfeigned, free from doubts, and wavering and insincerity. The harvest of righteousness, of conformity to God's will and thought and, thought and deed, thought and deed, the mark of the beast on the forehead and the hand, is the fruit of the seed sown in peace by those who work for and make peace in themselves and in others. That peace, which means concord, agreement, and harmony between individuals with undisturbedness, in a peaceful mind, free from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts. You can have the book of Proverbs memorized and have wonderful wisdom in there. Okay? You can even have the whole Bible memorized and you can have every answer to everything. But if it comes out in contention and pride because you know all the scriptures and, and you know, selfish ambition and jealousy and bitterness then what you're ministering is demonic. But the same information, if it is full of good fruits and humility, is it, if, is it to serve people, if it, then it's straight from the Spirit of God. Same information. Right, I hope that this has done something for you. <laughs> so, I'm not clapping for myself, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just excited. <laughs> this is just, just be humble, okay? okay. <laughs> All right, so, <laughs> okay. So, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for revelation. Thank you, Lord, that we are free of all these fear-driven doctrines. And we just pray, Lord Jesus, that you, sh you show yourself to be present in the midst of the city. In Jesus' name.